Hello, everybody, and welcome to Casual Cognition. We have another listener request episode today. Our friend Albinet asked us to talk about finance, which we are absolutely not accustomed to talking about, but we give it a go. After that, we talk about monetizing one's art, which is particularly uncomfortable. And we even try to make it interesting for you at the end by talking about the history of where all this money stuff came from. So stick around, and we hope you enjoy the episode. And here we are. We're live. Welcome, my friend. Welcome, Hank. To my closet and to the virtual realm of casual cognition it's good to be here bud yeah it's a bright and shiny realm where um it only rains if you want it to rain the sun is always shining unless you want it to be nighttime you know, I, I've thought about those sort of fantasies, and they always seem like they're kind of hell realms in another way. If it's always a bright, shiny day out there, I really like it to rain. I'd, right. I'd be pretty miserable if it never fucking rained. Yeah, and I mean, that's like the whole thing with life, right, is the waves and troughs are what make it interesting. Uh, and in fact, you can't have one without the other. So, yeah, it's just well, you were just, just in California. Like, How's the trade-offs there? Well, um, it was sunny pretty much every day in Santa Barbara, <laughs> yeah, where I was, and that was fucking nice. But that's the thing: is I was coming from. Copenhagen in Sweden. depths of winter. Or, sorry, Denmark. Uh, and so for me, it, like it was just a, it was just completely, it's a night and day difference. Literally, like the long <laughs> night versus like just sun and daytime. Um, but like the people there, they just fucking take it for granted because that's just how it is most yeah. of the time. Yeah, I would get um, miserable with no temperature change and no rain. Yeah, although they, they definitely do have weather there. It's not like it's just sunny all the time. You know, you got the June gloom and the... <laughs> I uh, heard that one, the June gloom. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> like, in June, it's invariably super foggy and overcast in the morning. And then it just like burns up by the end of the day or by by midday usually. Mm. It's kind of an interesting. We have weather we have phenomenon. more of a we have more of a September typhoon hurricane deal going on down here. <laughs> we we'd enjoy a little bit of gloom when we're hiding in our bathtubs. Is that the uh, is that the call when you're? When you're trying not to die in a hurricane? Um, well, it kind of depends on your setup. Because actually, for real bad hurricanes, you often want to fill up your bathtub for emergency water. 
but it's also mm. a good place to shelter. Um, but just generally in the bathroom, and you put a mattress over your head. And the reason you do that is so you don't potentially get hit by like shattering glass. Like that's if your house is about is going to fall apart, which right. sounds extreme, but it happens every fucking year here. Yeah, that's nuts. Well, yeah. You know, we could talk about this all day, really. I mean, I was gonna this segue. Is kind of our specialty. <laughs> but uh, in fact, we're gonna talk about something that is even less of our specialty. In fact, I don't think we have ever, in our history of this podcast, been less uh, qualified to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> we're negative is, qualified for this. Yeah, which is uh, finances. So, first of all, i got to give a massive shout-out to big homie Albanet, one of our amazing listeners who recommended that we touch on this. Chris is going to be Albanet. upset that you called him that. What? Chris is going to be upset that you called him that. Oh, that I called him a big homie? <laughs> He's going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's my gig. <laughs> oh, right, right. Um, that was unintentional. Got a lot of big homies, but I guess he's the big homie. He's he's going in for the, the copyright. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got the trademark on it. Alvin is going to have to pay royalties for that, for that title. Right. But yeah. Albanet so, gave us a topic request. Yeah, so Albanet, thank you so much for the topic request. I do want to apologize in advance because this is going to be pretty much useless, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do our best. We're gonna see <laughs> see what we can come up with. Denigrate um, us before we even start. It's it's always good to do that because you know people are gonna have very low expectations and then if we happen to come across any interesting ideas, people will be pleasantly surprised. Okay, that works. But another thanks to Albanet for joining the Discord. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've been having some super interesting discussions going on in there. I'm super excited to to. Uh, see what's been what's been going down in the discord yeah talk about pleasant surprises right so so nate what do you got dude how are you how are your finances oh oh you're gonna put me on the spot you're gonna put me on blast like that um let's just say they could be better or or possibly possibly not because maybe you could you could argue that they're non-existent so they couldn't improve or and they also couldn't be any worse no they could definitely be worse i'm gonna i'm gonna push back on that because there's such a thing as debt (laughs) okay yeah that's true i am debt actually no i'm not quite debt free but i have um i'm gonna work on i was actually talking to my dad about that the other day and um he's dealt with this sort of thing a couple of times and it's basically like six-year-old medical debt and mm-hmm. um, basically the strategy when you have like really old debt because it's changed hands like twice. So uh, uh, the the guy who I owed it to, which by the way, fuck that dude, he botched my surgery. 
which is why it didn't pay him. Um, after telling me that it was, uh, after telling me that it was covered by insurance, and I was just like, "Fuck you guys." Um, I stra- yeah, that's one of the funniest things. Yeah, go ahead and tell. Uh, t- yeah, I just, story. I just tell, I just straight up was just like, "I'm not paying." <laughs> They're like, "You have to," and I said, "Or what?" Um, but yeah, so it's changed hands twice, and each time a debt changes hands here's actually some good advice for the listeners um they buy it for like pennies on the dollar so if you owe i think what i owe is like two grand um so some company bought that for like 50 bucks and now they own the rights to that debt and then another company bought it for pennies on the dollar they bought it for like 10 bucks so what I'm what what you do when it's this old and it's not it, they're not taking it off your credit report you can dispute it, but another easy way to take care of this is to call them up and just say, "I'll give you two hundred bucks if you take this entire debt off of my credit report and give it to me in writing," and it works. Yeah. Oftentimes they'll settle with you because the company who now owns your debt is going to be making a big profit off of that. And there's entire right. companies that are designed around this with settling with people for lower amounts than they owe so that they can get it off of their credit report and then they still make a profit. And it's just not worth it for the other companies to chase you down. So right, like there's they can't like garnish my wages or something for a small amount of medical debt. I think if you owe some ridiculous amount, like $100,000 or something, they can garnish your wages, but they can't garnish my wages for two grand. So it's not worth them to come after me. So I'm just going to tell them, like, I'm just going to call them up and just say, hey, bud, bud. I'm going to try try and see if I can get it for 100 but, yeah, if not, 200 bucks. That's my final offer. <laughs> All right. There you have it, folks. So if you have the balls to get a surgery and then when you're done, just go, I ain't paying it. <laughs> <laughs> then after a couple of years of credit score degradation and attempts at serving you you have the option to potentially buy your own debt for a fraction of what you owe <laughs> they call that the there american way <laughs> already we're providing our dear listeners with concrete grade a financial advice that's right <laughs> That's right. There you don't, go, folks. Don't, don't pay your pay <laughs> medical bills. Oh, my God. Concrete. A-grade financial uh, <laughs> advice. Just go into debt and don't pay it. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, oh. Like I said, the, the, the reason I didn't pay was because I was, I, I was told something that wasn't true the the surgery itself was covered but like the anesthesiologist and and the drugs they gave me and stuff weren't so that's where the two thousand dollars came from and i was pissed at them not telling me that before the surgery so that was why i originally didn't pay and then i it was my first hernia surgery so i re-herniated and my current surgeon was like uh that it was not done properly i was just like god damn it i'm still paying this asshole um but so yeah i i think that morally you should generally pay your debts um but there's exceptions to that and i also believe pretty wholeheartedly that our 
medical system is a complete fucking shit show. So if you can game it a little bit and not pay quite as much, you should absolutely do it because you're not taking money out of anybody's pocket. Yeah, I guess I guess the main the main issue here, and it's doesn't seem like it's going to be a problem for you, but obviously, uh, the main concrete thing here is like your credit score went down a lot by not paying your medical debt, and so oh, if yeah. you're like looking to get a loan or a solid credit card or whatever, like it's not going to happen if you have super low credit score. I actually so have a, a it's something yeah, to be aware advice of advice for that too. Um, and this is what, what I've got? done. Oh, actually, I actually got some advice for that as well, or in the other way. But yeah, go ahead. Because <laughs> um, my credit score was low and shitty, and I wanted to bring it up. And this is really like the only thing on my. I think I have one other thing, but it's like I won't even get into it. I basically just have to take back a router to Cox. But um, other than that. I have no no dings on my credit report, but I didn't have any anything reported, so my score was still super low. It was like in the high 400s, low 500s. And um, I got a secure credit card, which is essentially, it's basically a debit card, but they count it for credit reasons as a credit card. So you go in and you give the bank like five, maybe 700 bucks. Mine was 700 and then you have a $700 line of credit. So you're using your own money, so you can't like go past that and get into debt with the card. That's why they call it a secure right. card. But it builds your credit as, you, as you're using it and paying it off. So my credit score um, is above 600 now, and like it's it's been going up pretty steadily ever since. And I got that card like a year ago, so... Yeah, it, my my score went up a ridiculous amount just from using my own money on a quote unquote credit card to just pay gas and bills and shit that I already needed to pay. So right. it's not that difficult given a little bit of time and effort to, and I do mean a little bit of effort, um, to get that credit rating up, even if you do have some some dings on it. Um, and then of course paying down the debt and doing all that stuff is good, but uh. That is, for me, some for somebody who doesn't have much credit, that's the way to go. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, um, yeah. That I, my advice was, it's pretty similar. Like if you, if you're, um, if you want to start building your credit, it's super, super simple. You can literally just like, yeah, I get a credit card, and you know, just put. You can just put like a. If you have a monthly subscription or something, like, um, for example, you're one of our patrons, you give us like two bucks a month or whatever, you can just put that on your credit card and, nice and uh, just like set it up to do the auto auto transactions from your, from your regular bank account. And even like just by having those like you don't have to use it a bunch but just by having these like recurring payments that you're always paying on time it'll build up your credit yeah um and so that's like a super easy way but the the main thing is you really like make sure because what what happens with people is they get a credit card and they're like oh my god free money i'll just fucking buy whatever i want and like they just don't pay attention to their 
their budget and how much money they have and they like and it's really easy i mean i'm a very frugal person so i've never had this problem but i know Ooh, a lot of you. people i mean w- what <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> i'm just feeling personally I got, attacked I got a, it's okay <laughs> i gotta flex dude i mean come on i would consider there's, there's you to very... be a frugal fella yeah i mean it's to me it's it's something where i mean this is the thing with being frugal is it's riding the line between being a stingy fuck and just being smart with your money you know uh and i've been i've been on both sides of that line for sure uh but you know the the idea here is like yeah i mean so i guess this this kind of bring brings us to the next idea when it comes to finances like something concrete for me is i think just budgeting is probably it's just such a good such a good way to get a handle on what's going on and this isn't something like this is something where i'm totally not practicing what i'm preaching because i am not i have not taken the time to budget because I'm generally frugal, so I feel like, ah, well, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm just hemorrhaging money. But I still know that I could benefit from this. And and the thing is, is we all, it's just, it's super valuable to track what what we're spending money on. Because you might find that you're just fucking hemorrhaging money on useless shit. Like, have you ever, have you ever just like, Guilty as looked back yeah like look look back at last month and like how much money did you spend on beer you know i'd really rather not (laughs) so that's kind of a perfect example of like and this is the thing is like you know probably that you're spending too much money on beer but if you actually take the time to go back and see how much it is you're gonna be like oh my god i switched from craft to the cheap stuff since we're about to move and i need extra money so does that count as being frugal (laughs) No. He's shaking his head no. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I I don't know. Uh, this gets into a little bit more of the philosophical side. Obviously, we have we all have goals in life that we would like to achieve. Um, but where, you know, it, it's important for me to kind of figure out where the balance is of, like, okay, well... Am I just saving money up permanently for, you know, retirement or whatever? You know, what am I saving for? Why why am I keeping this money? And if it's just to for a rainy day fund, you don't need that much. Um, you know, you have a few grand in an account. You're you're riding pretty if as long as you don't have a extravagant lifestyle. Um and I, I, for me, like one thing that I I don't spend a ton of money on, but when it comes around, I do splurge quite a bit on because I don't do it very much, is going out. And, you know, I'll go out with with friends pretty rarely, but when I do, I I go all out. And, you know, I buy appetizers for the table and I buy rounds of drinks and stuff like that, and I end up with a massive bill every time. But because it's a rare event... um, and I'm not doing it all the time, I can really enjoy that 
and be generous. And, um, you know, is it a good spending of my money? In most uh, people's minds, probably not. But to me, it is. It, it To me, it's like Chris came to visit not too long ago and we went out for his birthday and we fucking took the night by storm, took the town by storm, I should say. And I spent a few hundred bucks at least. Um, and, you know, just complete goofing around. I don't even remember half the night. And, you know, it, I didn't get anything out of that, even memories and stuff. I got some cool memories, but I'm not going to think about that night all that much. But the experience to me is really valuable, and it gets to kind of um, the nature of existence and why we're here. Um, obviously, you don't want to spend your whole life partying, but you definitely want to spend some nights partying while you're a human. Yeah. It's part of uh, the some of the fun parts of being a human is sometimes making poor financial decisions in order to have a great night, you know? So I think it's right. important to strike that balance, which I For do sure. not strike it well, but I think it's important to look into. Yeah, and I, and I think you bring up a really good point, you know, because it's not all about... Like, like I think it's definitely not a good idea to get into the mindset of, like, maximizing every single investment in terms of purely economic value because then you'll just never buy a drink for your friend or whatever like it's you know you kind of you gotta take into account like how much is this worth for me and and what i've found is like generally what i like to spend money on is experiences yeah so you don't get you don't get any material anything material out of investing in an experience generally generally you just you gain xp like you literally just gain an experience yeah so for me like traveling and you know doing these different things you know renting kayaks or whatever like doing something like that is for me that that's where i like to invest my money because and of course you want to again you want to strike the balance right because if you only do that and you don't invest in if you don't make good investments in general like then you're you're not going to have as much money to uh as much extra cash to spend on fun experiences that don't necessarily give you something economic or material in return right so I think it's super important to recognize like, okay, well, how much, maybe I don't get anything specifically out of this, but how much is it worth to me, right? And in that way, it's different for everybody. There's no like formula that we can give you that will help you to figure out what the good decision is. It's like, well, what what feels right? Like what what is valuable to me, right? And like you said, you know, going out every once in a while it, it feels good to be generous and to buy stuff for your your friends and loved ones and maybe it's not the smartest decision economically maybe you're not totally loaded and in the best position to do that but if it makes you feel good and if it doesn't cause you stress then it's like well i mean why not and it's also depends on your goals right so you're 
you in particular, like you're not super focused on saving a specific amount of money or you're not super focused on retirement or whatever. So for you, like spending that extra cash kind of just what some would consider blowing it uh, isn't such a big deal. Whereas if you're like super serious about your budget and that's one of your big goals, trying to save a specific amount of money, invest a certain amount so you can retire at a certain age, blah, blah, blah. It's a different story, right? And it's and you got to weigh those things depending on what your financial goals are. Yeah, I think retirement is actually, I think we mentioned something along these lines before, but I think it's kind of a bullshit concept. And it's a way to trick people into being way more productive than they need to be. Like, I don't know if you've heard the advices around retirement, but they are so fucking crazy. Like, I've heard... I've heard. Hey, so- how about you just uh, sacrifice all of your healthy years so that you can be a sick and depressed old man and have a bunch of money? How does that sound? <laughs> yeah, it's like a... It, it's, it's almost like a cruel trick. Because... Um, uh, spoiler spoiler alert people it never fucking comes like i don't know have you ever met a retired person who does the 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 retirement thing that everybody dreams of of like yeah i just fucking chill all day drink martinis by the pool and fucking enjoy myself 24 7 like i've never even met one never even heard of dude one. they that's the thing is like i've met people who yeah they get they're retired and then they're really stoked and they do that for like a week (laughs) two weeks or a month they go on vacation basically and then they're like shit (laughs) they go on vacation (laughs) exactly uh and that's just like yeah i mean we've talked about this this is you know kind of the hedonic treadmill idea right and so you know but but it is like I definitely don't think that uh, being aware of the fact that one day we are going to be invalids potentially <laughs> is like a bad thing because it's nice to have a little cash in the back pocket in case something happens or in case, yeah, maybe I feel like, you know, maybe you feel like taking a year off work or something like yeah. it, and just explore spirituality or whatever the fuck you want to do. I mean, maybe you want to, try to become a chess grandmaster or something you know like it's gonna take a hell of a lot longer than a year but anyways you get the idea like just explore some aspect of yourself or learn new skills or whatever like if you haven't taken any time to look into your financial stuff and um it's probably not gonna happen so so it's it's definitely val i think it is very valuable to uh be aware of the game that we're playing the economic games and like, how can we leverage these different games to maximize our, I guess, freedom, right? Because yeah, today, like money is not only synonymous with our ability to survive, because most people don't actually have genuine survival skills. So now it's like, okay, money is that now instead of hunting or farming or whatever. Uh, but it's also kind of synonymous in some sense with freedom. I would agree to right. Yeah, to a certain level of econo- to a economic d- to a degree, exactly. So at a certain point, it becomes so involved that you're like literally you go backwards. 
chained to the money and to the things that you need to do to get that amount of money. It also depends on what your situation is, right? Yeah, it's because... a bell curve kind of idea. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, yeah, so so there is a certain amount of money that is basically synonymous with freedom, right? Because if I have a million dollars, I can basically do whatever I want right now, right? Maybe it's not going to last forever, depending on how I work with it. But like, especially with me, I'm, like I mentioned, I'm pretty frugal, so... I wouldn't just blow it on a couple Lambos or whatever. Like I would probably invest a lot of it and then kind of just live off of the interest. Uh, because I also, I don't have a super extravagant lifestyle. So, and I'm pretty cool. I'm cool with like what I'm doing for the most part. Like, yeah, it'd be nice to maybe be able to travel a little bit more or have a, have a dope, house in thailand or something like i don't know but i i'm pretty stoked with with where i'm at right now so i, I wouldn't really make very many changes um so that's what you would do with a million dollars you'd you wouldn't do very much different probably not really i that, mean i would that, be a lot more a, generous for sure <laughs> that's a that's a really that means you're at a pretty good place in your life in my opinion where where you say yeah if someone gave me a million dollars it probably wouldn't change that much i <laughs> just worry less about money um yeah yeah i'd, I'd change a lot of shit <laughs> what would you change um i would get i'd probably get a really nice van um mm. I'd probably do that too, honestly. Yeah, either a van or a, re or a new truck and a really nice camper. And then I'd buy a piece of land. I would it would be my dream come true in a in a moment. I would get my piece of land and start up a cult. <laughs> you guys are all welcome to join. Now, who wants to fork over a quick milli, huh? <laughs> anybody anybody got a million they can donate to the casual cognition cult? <laughs> You know oh, what? Man. Okay, it's fine. You don't have a million dollars. That's okay. But what you can do is you can support us on Patreon. <laughs> Another less than plug. A cup of coffee a month. Oh man, <laughs> there you go. But no, uh, I... shameless, shameless plug. Yes. Okay. Shameless. But you know, this is where Anyways, it gets kind of ahead. tricky for me because I'm, I'm kind of disgusted by the idea of of going out and trying to get money. Um, I don't really give a shit about having a bunch of nice things. Um, and as you can see, my whole goal is to like parse down my possessions and what I need to survive. I'm learning how to forage and fish and stuff like that to where, um, when I do make it to mobile, my my mobile living station i uh i can h help supplement my food with things that i can um hunt and gather and the the problem there is that being there in that space will be very cheap but it's going to be kind of expensive for me to get there yeah so that's one of the reasons why i'm getting my credit score up so i can get a loan without a crazy interest rate and I'm saving some money so I can put a down payment on a camper. And I do have to go through 
those financial steps to get to the place I want to go where I don't need a lot of money. And, you know, not everybody needs to go that route. You can, there's a lot of ways that you can um, bring down your living expenses without doing something as drastic as moving into a trailer. Um, The biggest one, obviously, is where you live. I think that everybody has it in their mind because it's fucking drilled into our brains that you've got to live in somewhere that somewhere that's nice. And it's just not true. I mean, you'd be surprised at how many people would be happy in fucking Oklahoma where you can get a, an apartment for fucking 300 bucks a month. Or even in Tucson, Arizona, you can get apartments for super cheap. And it's a really cool city. I like Tucson. Um, mm. It's got a beautiful mountain... A mountain range right next to it and you can drive up there no matter how fucking poor you are you got a car shitty little beater car you can drive up the mountain it's got a really nice road um but there's a lot of like low expense areas in the in the country that you can live in um and you know there's a lot of ways that you can um get like reusable stuff to bring down your your cost of um, waste material, Al- Alex, my girlfriend, she's been doing a lot of that th- stuff, like buying re- a lot all these cool reusable things, to where we're not just throwing money down the drain on stuff that we're just continually consuming and throwing away. So I think that there's there's a, there's two asset, facets to finance in general. It's like your how much money you bring it in and how much money do you need or how much money are you putting out because it it also includes what you don't need that you're enjoying yeah and i think that we're kind of hyper focused in america on bringing that bringing both of those numbers up i want to bring in more i want to put out more i want to bring in more i want to put out more but that shit right. never ends so you have to ask yourself, okay, really, and this is where the budgeting thing that you're saying really comes in handy too. How much do I need to put out? How much money do I actually need to live a happy, enjoyable, experience-filled life? And it, it's just like I think that there's so many more people that would be happy working, happier working less and having less, and you know we we're in a little bit of a a cheating position here because we don't have kids and that's a massive massive elephant in the room on this stuff if you have yeah. children then your your necessary output goes up by a shitload um but even then there's ways that you can bring down your expenses you can still do all the reusable stuff with kids and you know you got you got your fucking hands full but there's still ways that you can bring down your expenses. And I think that that is something that everybody should be working on, especially just beyond the financial aspect of it. There's also a huge environmental aspect of it. If you're just consuming a shitload of money's worth of stuff, you're probably like an extremely high impact human being on the environment. And Mm. if you're in America, which I know a lot of, li- of our listeners aren't, but um, the the like 
carbon footprint of an of an average American is just ridiculously high compared to any other country. So yeah. if you are in America, uh, you know, cutting down on how much you're spending and how much you're wasting is a huge deal environmentally because you're probably a super high impact person just by living in America and doing the sort of consumer lifestyle we have. So I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of good uh, aspects to to bringing down how much you're consuming. I wholeheartedly agree. Mm. Uh, finances. Well, how are we gonna get to that million, buddy? Because we're already at thirty-five minutes, so. Wait. What? <laughs> yeah, we can move on. We can move on from finances. Wow. Thank God. <laughs> I didn't think we did too bad on that. Yeah, it was pretty pretty general stuff. I think uh you could probably get you could definitely get way better advice from pretty much anybody who's has the gall to talk about finances. Um but you know, Gave it our best shot. That's right. That's right. So how are we going to get there, Hank? How are we going? How are we going to get to a milli? How how are we going to get that money? We're going to monetize, baby. <laughs> cash in. Or no, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Cash in, sell out, baby. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Well, it's funny you say that because the question of monetization is actually an extremely interesting one. Uh, especially for, I mean, yeah, anybody who's not working a kind of traditional job, but maybe, you know, or is, but doesn't want to is, but doesn't want to, but yeah. Right. So like basically anybody who's creating content, right. Content creators, this is always like a very, uh, important idea because the thing is, is like yeah, we're happy to give this thing out for free. That's 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 all well and good, but like we've mentioned a few times, you know, if we can do this as a job, we're going to do it. Like this is this is so much more enjoyable than any any job that I've ever had and uh it, we can provide so much value like not only to ourselves but to everyone listening like we, we've already seen that we've been able to have a really positive impact on people listening and it's been a huge huge thing for us as well and so the question of monetization is a very important one because uh yeah like we don't want to like you said we don't we don't want to sell out right like, I, I don't want to be uh, just doing a bunch of random ads for shit that I don't care about. And, but at the same time, like, yeah, I want to, I want to do this for a living if possible. That'd be awesome, right? So how do we do that? And that's, that's where, that's what monetization, that's where that comes in, right? Like, how do we turn this into something where we can make a little cash on the side, at least for now, and then eventually hopefully transition into more of a full-time gig because the more time if we make if we make money from this we can spend more time on it we can spend more time researching 
we can spend more time developing the community uh getting awesome guests and just like generally improving the, the quality of the podcast right yeah and it's also not just the podcast um it's your whole sort of artistic profile your artistic portfolio um because mm. you know you you uh, i'm pretty sure i'm speaking well for you when i say that you would also like to do the same with your music um yeah and there's things i'm not a good enough like just pure visual artist i mean being a professional painter that's a fucking high bar to try and get to because there's like being a professional musician people still want to go to like live gigs there's not you don't add a ton of value by having an, an original painting unless you're fucking unbelievably good and well known in the art space already um and it's kind of a high castle thing but i can monetize in a lot of other ways and people do by just creating unique things that people enjoy and there's there's a lot of different ways to do that but like i've been doing a lot of wood finishing and wood finishing is something where i can totally make some money and you don't have to be some incredible person that's what these etsy shops and and pinterest and shit is for like people love going on there and buying little trinkets from people that are, that are handmade mm -hmm. and the thing about making like a really good original painting is it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of effort it takes a lot of practice to get there wood finishing it's not not really that difficult I mean, I can make up a whole bunch of pieces and turn them into fucking key racks and towel bars and bottle openers and tables and all these cool little things, and it it doesn't take a ton of time. And I've already gotten, I already have the skill set working in construction of taking care of wood and <laughs> taking care of wood. Yeah, sometimes sometimes we all got to take care of our wood a little bit. Um, but like I have most of the skill set I need to make really nice pieces and it's not that hard these days you don't need a brick and mortar store I can I can roll around and be mobile and still do that and um, I, I obviously the the hard part there would be I might have to like find some some wood shops for some more complicated things um, but most of what I'm doing is like, is not that big. So you can sell things like that, little trinkets and stuff online. And it is a business for a lot of people these days. So um, I think it's important if you're looking at monetize, monetization as a content creator to like, look at the whole spectrum, not put all your eggs in one basket, not just say, okay, going to get the like our podcast here that's how i'm going to monetize it's gonna happen um instead of thinking more along the lines of like okay well maybe i'll get a little bit from the podcast maybe i'll get a little bit from the wood stuff maybe i'll get a little bit from prints of my original paintings so i don't have to like just sell an original I can make a cool print there's a couple of them that I think are really cool that people would enjoy uh, getting prints of 
and you can kind of like piece together what you need money-wise. And then that also gives you a lot of flexibility as long as your costs are low to say, okay, I'm going to really buckle down and kick ass for a while and, you know, make, make some money. And then I'm going to slow down and take a break for a while. So I, I think that, um, it's important to once again, as a creator to figure out what that balance is of like what you need how much money do you actually need, and what are what are like the realistic? Uh, what what is your realistic ability to make that money off of what you're creating? Um, and that's where you know me looking at my painting and being like, oh yes, I'm going to become a professional painter. Like, okay, well that's probably going to be a ways off because I don't practice a ton. Um, I'm not that good right now, and it's a pretty uh, pretty saturated market for just visual art in general and you're competing against against people who are doing digital art and like have fucking massive 3d printing stations and shit like that like you're 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 doing you're you're climbing a high mountain with a brush and some paint but there's a lot of other things that i can do and i do think that there's a lot of realistic steps that i can take towards becoming an independent creator and fully living off of my art and off of my creativity and and all that jazz right yeah it's a great point uh one of the things that you kind of touched on is basically this idea of kind of tapping into multiple income streams yeah so and that's super super important as like an independent creator because you know, like for uh, for music, for example, especially these days, like you will not make a living from the money that you get from streaming your music. Yeah, you just you make you make fractions of a penny per listen. Like it's literally you're just you're just not gonna make a living from that. But the idea is that by combining multiple income streams, you have you have money from streaming music. You have live shows, which aren't really a thing right now, but will be coming back. You have you can license your songs so that people making movies and TV shows and stuff they can go on there and if they find it and if they like it, then you get royalties for for that and there's literally like hundreds of different ways that you can do that right Mm -hmm. merch so that's yeah you have merch you got all kinds of different stuff we're gonna get some merch down the road i have ideas down the road definitely going to get some merch going we will get there eventually for sure um but yeah it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting idea because you know that combination like because each of setting up each of these different income streams takes work yeah right and so you kind of gotta analyze and figure out like which ones are worth investing the time and money into setting up yeah um so for example with with us like we could be we could be doing ads right now uh but like just the way that it is with with 
how many listeners we have right now and the way that we feel about advertising and this kind of thing like it just does not make sense for us to do ads it just doesn't make sense we would make barely any money and then we would have to subject all of our awesome friends and and listeners to advertisements so for like we're just like no it's not it's not worth it and you know maybe maybe down the line it it reaches a point where it becomes worth it maybe we find some potential partnerships yeah my goal here is to start selling boner pills and mattresses bro right so like if you love boner pills and mattresses (laughs) and you get it you get a chance to help other people discover the beauty of of whatever uh those specific companies that sell those (laughs) things might be then great that's cool uh but like yeah we're we're just not we're not we're not there right now so for us it's like okay well what are some potential different ways that we can monetize this and then so patreon is like something that a lot of people are aware of and for us it's like it's just a win-win because if people want to support us we're giving them the ability to do that and then we have some different like you know rewards and bonuses that we have set up uh based on their contribution so it's like it's just it's just a win-win for us we don't have to subject anybody to advertisements that aren't really gonna help us help us that much and then we're kind of giving people the opportunity to support us if they want to so for us like that one made complete sense it didn't take that much to set up uh and it's a it's a great service yeah um so but it's it's really interesting because it's something that it's it's like you never it's never just like answered and then you're like okay there you go right like it's this constant thing of like okay well what makes sense yeah like there's the maintenance aspect there's there's always new avenues opening up and um yeah the the different factors involved are always changing so it's it's a super interesting and relevant kind of topic for anybody who's who's a creator who wants to kind of take it to the next level right yeah i think it's also an uncomfortable topic too because yeah if you're an artist that really cares about their art you probably don't like like your top priority is not to make money off of it i'm sure there's exceptions out there with people but i've certainly never met any artists who set out to make their art because they want to make money off of their art like eventually that's a goal that I think most artists start to think about but that's just because we love creating so much that we're like this is what I want to do all the fucking time I don't want to spend exactly a tremendous amount of time working so that I can pay to be an artist I just want to be paid to be an artist and so it's it's like a an ancillary goal but the goal there is not to make money off of it the goal there is to create more um so I think it becomes a little tricky when you get to that point of okay well I'm making something that is good enough for people to pay for um when do I do it and should I do it that's I think that there becomes kind of an imposter syndrome moment for uh at least every artist I've ever known whenever you get to that threshold where like 
am I good enough? Is it is what I'm making really good enough to be worth some somebody's money? Right. And <laughs> if you um, if you want to get a little bit of encouragement in that, go to the thrift store and and, and see what people pay for various original paintings. It kind of like my job out fell on the floor whenever I saw that some like originals and thrift stores and what people were were trying to sell them for. I was just like, oh man, I could do that shit. And they're trying to sell that for like 120 bucks. Jeez. And, and it works like people will buy it. Um, and I wouldn't want to do that because it's just, as I was saying, I'm, I'm not good enough to where I can like quickly crank out something that somebody would pay that much for. Um, and if you, if you're doing a non-original, if you're doing a print, people don't want to pay as much for that. So, um, you know, the point I was making is that it you'd be surprised at what people will pay for, and it doesn't need to be a fucking Rembrandt. You don't need to be, you know, some super A-grade musician to book a gig somewhere. People enjoy live music, and usually the live musicians you go and see at random restaurants and stuff like that, they're not, you know, they're, they're not the best musicians you've ever heard and they're not also not in some some super high quality studio or something like that like the point is you enjoy people that just enjoy live music and people enjoy performers having fun so I think that as an artist it's always very important to remember that you're not the one judging how much your stuff is worth and so, you know, if, if you've spent some time, obviously there's a balance there where, you know, you've only been in it for a little bit of time. You don't want to be like, all right, when do I cash in? Um, so you want to you want to spend a good, some time developing your craft. But I think that when you can, it's important to start doing this monetization process. Um, and I wanted to bring up the war of art here. Um, and uh, the the sequel, which I still haven't read, that you were telling me to read, because Stephen Pressfield talks a lot about the importance of going professional, going pro. I think actually going pro was the name of the book, wasn't it? Yeah, it's called Turning, turning Pro. Turning Pro, yeah. 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 Um, and he talks about the importance of this monetization process, even if it's not if you're not close to the goal of, of becoming independent, kind of like we're doing with this Patreon, his his philosophy is that it's important to monetize even in small ways as soon as you can because it sort of triggers your brain in a different way. It's like, okay, now this is no longer a hobby. I am a professional artist. I am being paid for my art. And that, because that's the definition. You know, if you're getting paid for something then you're a professional, technically. Um, at least in this this thought process. And when you start viewing it in that way as, okay, well, now I'm a, I'm a professional artist, you take your shit more seriously. And it will it helps you motivate yourself to practice and get better and, and start those steps towards... Uh, becoming a real professional, aka an independent creator that gets paid for their art. So, 
the um, a lot of the theory behind what we're doing with the cast and what we're trying to do with our other art forms is like this whole um, idea of like taking our art and our creation more seriously and going pro turning pro um, is the the number one step in that path so we are we're trying to take that step in in all of our various ways I know Hank has already been paid for a little bit of his music um, so you know I think that that's a really important thing to touch on because it can get very uncomfortable to start asking people for money even if it is voluntary like what we're doing um, it, it in, in I know for myself personally, I definitely get a lot of imposter syndrome. Hmm. Yeah, man, it's, it's, I mean, just going back to, uh, the war of art and turning pro, like uh, we're going to have to do like, uh, do a library segment on that. Yeah. Like we got to do a full, a full segment on those because it's so so powerful what what he's talking about in there so we'll uh we'll put a pin in that one for later yeah. but yeah man it's it it is it is very interesting like how for some reason people like it's people are poo-pooing like making money <laughs> for doing what you love like or or uh, you know like i don't know it's it's a, it's kind of a weird thing that you're there's like this like shame yeah, or stigma or something the stigma around it's not authentic man yeah and it's like well case in point like we're doing this anyways yeah and we're gonna keep doing it regardless of if we make money or not yeah and i think there is a uh, level of inauthenticity where uh, and I have seen this where people start to really get big. They start to make a lot of money and they do sell out. I mean, it, it, it happens a lot. And, you know, some people are okay with that. Some people are like, bro, I, I had a one hit wonder back in the 80s and I'm fucking, I'm cashed in. Why do I need to even, I mean, they play my shit on, in commercials all the time. Why would I need to keep on trying to do that? I've already, I've already done what I need to do and maybe they're going to go off and do something else maybe you know that their music was just a phase in their life and they got lucky so you know I, I don't necessarily think that all selling out is bad um, but there is I think a, a bad level that some people go to where they sell out and then their art starts to suck but they're still putting it out there and you can tell it's still what they want to do but now they've they've sold out and cashed in i don't, I don't know if you i feel like went. isn't isn't there like a that kind of reminds me it's like sell out what is it sell out cash cash in bro down or something like that like, <laughs> like from the, south park is it yeah i think um, they, they might have been taking it for, from something, but yeah, they they, uh, they did a whole episode where they were like, I, f I forget what the kids were trying to do, but it's basically this whole thing that we're talking about. But their whole idea was to sell out. They're <laughs> just like, right? <laughs> there was a lot. It was like somewhere in between selling out and cashing in. I guess we really lost our way. 
We need to get back to what we got into this for. The money. So yeah, don't want to go to that level. But I I think that once again, it turns into that imposter syndrome where as soon as you start asking somebody for money for something, you feel like a sellout. Right. Yeah, that's a weird... That's a weird thing because for me, like selling out is when you, it's like when you kind of violate your own integrity yeah. as an artist for the sake of money. Yeah. Um, so like doing something that you wouldn't do creatively um, for the sake of making an extra buck, for example. Yeah, if we were to like put like health insurance ads on the podcast or something like that. <laughs> I got to wait. Um, but yeah, that, that would be something that would violate our principles. Um, you know, using some kind of, um, I don't know, maybe like a, like phishing thing or something like that or a spam bot to like try and annoy people into into contributing to the patreon you know that'd be another way that would like violate our principles um and and yeah i think that that's a good distinction to make like if you're if you're worried about okay am i selling out am i am i am i violating my own integrity and my own principles because usually as an amateur artist trying to to make a little money off your art you're not going to be doing that you know even if you're selling your stuff for too much, that's not really violating your own integrity. That's just like slightly overvaluing your art based on the market. But yeah, um, yeah, like like that's a great question to ask yourself. Mm. Well, I think it's time for the next segment, which I'm actually I'm, I'm excited for this one. I'm gonna have more fun with this one. We're going to rewind things a tad. We're going to go back. Way, way back. Way back to the good old days. Yeah. Do you have uh, Do you have much to say on this subject? Do you have any, like, concrete stuff? Any facts and figures? Any dates? Dates? No. Yeah. No dates. <laughs> Uh, as much as I love those good old medjools, I don't have any. Anyone? So I, yes, Anyone? I do have a date. I don't know what medjool is. It's a type of date. Oh. Like that you eat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay. There okay. We go. <laughs> Okay. Um, we'll call that a good joke. Um, but I have an actual date for you. Uh, I wrote it down. This is, as far as we know, obviously history is very murky and gets very, very difficult to um, to make like definitive statements on. But as far as we know, the earliest... Oh yeah, sorry, we're, we're going into ancestral lifestyles. That's... That's where we're going here. So we're going into some historical stuff. 
the earliest evidence we have of currency is about 5000 BC and it was the Mesopotamian shekel um, and I thought it would be interesting for us to explore a little bit what the origins in humanity of the, the entire concept of finance and currency because this hasn't been around for that long even like even whenever there was representative currency 5,000 actually 7,000 years ago there was still the primary form of trading with somebody was the bartering system so you basically right. just talk through what is worth this and what is worth that and that's why we started doing representative currency because there's people who were better at bartering than other people. It was like a skill you had. And before then, you know, what is what is a sheep worth in context of oranges? And, you know, you just got to figure it out, talk it out. I think it's worth 60 oranges. Well, I think it's worth 100 oranges. And... uh you know, you might get screwed because one dude can talk really well and can talk you down to 40 oranges and uh, then you undersold your sheep. So we, we came up with the idea of this this valued coin that had a, a set value that everybody agreed upon, which I think is the, the first most important aspect to remember. How many oranges was it worth? Um... How many oranges was the Mesopotamian shekel worth? I'm going to guess about seven oranges. So what if you wanted to just buy one orange? Um, you gotta you got to cut it down to uh, Mesopotamian... Uh, what was it? What's the, the British thing? Pence. Oh, yeah. That is actually a really interesting thing with these, like, early currencies because they were essentially just like a certain amount of a valuable metal yeah so if you wanted to just buy one orange when your shekel is worth seven you could literally cut it into seven pieces and then <laughs> give one of them for the orange right yeah i mean you probably could i i, I don't I'm, i haven't brushed up on my um minting practices of ancient mesopotamia but what <laughs> i know i didn't do Dude, my homework come on. <laughs> but that's that is a good point is that up until very recently the representative currency wasn't like entirely ambiguous and um sort of uh conceptual like it is now it was a piece of gold or a piece of copper so yeah if you had a bunch of coins and suddenly the the fucking you know, the currency of the city dried up, but you still had all these gold coins. You could take them over, and even though it's not worth the value that the city put on it, you could bring it to another mint somewhere, and they'd give you some other representative currency for that gold because it's worth something in and of yeah. itself. Now it, our money is entirely conceptual. And um, you, you want to know, know something that's actually kind of... It's like a punch in the balls... This just pisses what? me off. The American penny costs oh, yeah. like 1.7 cents to make. <laughs> so in 
so it actually oh. costs more than the the penny is worth representatively to make. It's the dumbest shit ever. And the only reason we have so pennies annoying. around still is like the zinc lobby. They pay a shitload of money each year and they have like a whole fucking super pack to try and keep the American penny around. And they use the Bastards. dumbest things. They use like the history of Lincoln and stuff like that to try and justify it. It's like, hey, that guy has the five already. Let's get rid of this stupid fucking penny. Yeah, and I, I think another part of it too which is another thing that's extremely annoying about pennies is literally just the fucking that bullshit marketing gimmick where you put everything oh it's only 99.99 and like and the thing that sucks about that is even if you know like even if you know that that's basically a hundred dollars like our brains don't work that way. Our brains don't work that way. You add an extra digit it on it every time. Yeah, even, no matter what, what you know, you add that extra digit, and you're less likely to buy it. Yeah, we can't get around um, like instinctual subconscious like that. It's so fucking annoying. Yeah, it's extremely annoying, and the penny is just—it's such a useless. It's so useless. Besides that, like that's the only utility of it, and it's being used against us, basically. I don't. So. I don't know if you've noticed this. Um, it could be different over there in Denmark, but um, they actually, if you look at a gas pump, there's actually an extra little nine at the end, and that's nine tenths of a penny. So every gas price you see <laughs> is the big gas price, and there's teeny tiny little nine at the end. Where they're charging you an extra nine tenths of a penny per gallon, it's just like how Fuckers. how deep is your grift that you want nine t- an extra nine tenths of a penny from me? And meanwhile, there's some fucking CEO at the top of a golden tower somewhere. Like, mm, I don't think you realize how much those nine tenths of a penny add up over the course of a month. Um, and I'm pretty sure they've lobbied that they can fucking do that because you can't do that at a store. You can't charge somebody an extra nine-tenths of a penny for a candy bar. Or maybe you can. I don't know. Right. But, yeah, it's getting back to the original um, topic. You know, we we used to have the bartering system where we used to just share everything. That was before any of that shit, before agriculture came along and we started accumulating resources and needed to trade them for other things. We, we just shared everything. Everybody shared the work and everybody shared the bounty of the work, regardless of how much you contributed because everybody contributed however much they wanted, basically. And it just worked. It's a fucking... It sounds so utopian when you talk about hunter gatherers. It's it's an it's almost annoying to me. I'm just like you guys just had it so fucking good. <laughs> I hate it. Um, but they uh, yeah they just shared everything and it worked that way because small communities that are where everybody is skilled enough to get food. It there's no need to to hoard. You just have plenty. So when we started accumulating resources and having division of labor, that was another big thing where people were only skilled in one certain trade. And we had to, had to come up with some kind of system of trading with other people. And, uh, you know, if you really think about 
all right, well, the bartering system, you know, agriculture came around like 12,000 BC, as far as we know, um, 10 or 12,000, somewhere around there. And so that's been around for 12 to 14,000 years. Then you've got the first currency coming up uh, about 7,000 years ago. And then you've got full, like, capitalism, you know, representative currency. Probably, you know, if I was to just take a stab at it, probably within the last thousand years. Um, I'm sure there's still a lot, a lot of bartering going on still outside the the major metropolitan areas in the, uh, you know, the first millennium A.D. Um, and then you've got the full, like, non-resource-based conceptual currency that happened within the past, you know, couple hundred years, few hundred years. And we, we, we say this a lot on this podcast, but I think it's just always important to remember our brains have not had enough time to evolve for this concept, and we don't fucking get it. No matter how much, like, you know about it, you, you, you can only know things sort of in the conscious level of your brain. That's why those stupid little numbers work on us so well, because it hasn't been around that long. That trick, it seems like just a part of our lives, the ninety-nine ninety-nine trick, but that's a new that's a new thing. Relatively, that's extremely new. So our brains haven't had enough time to evolve like all the way down the stem to know that trick and to not be fooled by it. And so this is gets into a whole lot of stuff that I won't jump down the rabbit hole too far on, but it's just another thing where we only really understand the modern world of money in our conscious forebrains, in our intellectual, conceptual, um, the higher brain functions. The rest of it, it's just like, ah, what? Paper money is worth food? What? And that's why people get (laughs) so fucking crazy about money. Yeah. Yeah, I also find, you know, when it coming coming to currency again, it's super interesting because there's this really close connection between our development of mathematics and the advent of currency. In mm. fact, they're pretty much synonymous. Like we pretty much would not we pretty much would not have developed mathematics without uh without the development of currency because you don't really need it you know like the whole thing that where you teach kids and you're like you have seven apples and you take away four apples like that does you don't need that if you just have a bunch of apples like it doesn't it, what was the tribe no that point. has like like three numbers or four numbers it's like yeah the one two three and many it's, it's yeah like, that table has many corners we don't we yeah, don't know exactly. we don't have a four we don't need it. Yeah, and, and and exactly, they don't need like you don't need it in a in a tribal society where you just like share everything and there's no you don't have this stockpiling thing and and trading and all of that. You just you just don't need it. 
you don't need to keep track of all this shit right mm-hmm. um so I, I find that to be a very interesting connection that you wouldn't really necessarily think of or i i didn't didn't really make that connection well the first mathematics that we know of was done in the same place as the first currency i mean that was just the, the general beginning of civilization so it's kind of cheating but um you know they they actually operated uh, the sumerians on a base 12 maybe it was the babylonians but one of those mm. early civilizations instead of a base 10 they had a base 12 and it was um it was based off of your knuckles on your fingers so you do like you take take one finger and you count your finger knuckles so one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve you have 12 knuckles on your on your fingers here so that was the way they counted whoa and then um whoa that's yeah Super and then they interesting yeah they also <laughs> they had it like it was pretty cool um because you 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 do um i know people you can't see what i'm doing but i'm essentially taking my pointer finger on one hand and then pointing to each finger knuckle and that's how you're counting and you do with one finger and then you take your middle finger and do it and that's like two sets of 12 so that's 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 and each successive mm. finger you go up another 12 up to the thumb and then so you, that's where we actually get that comes out to 60 you got five fingers on the other hand and that's why our minutes and hours are based on 60s rather than mm. 10s whoa and it's it's really interesting too because you know when you're counting it out 17 18 19 20 but like that is base 10 right mm-hmm. so what it's really confusing what? when you start to think about it yeah if you think about it for a second it's like okay wait a second here because we're thinking about the base 12 system in terms of base 10 yeah it's hard to think about it uh, i have a little bit of an easier time because i work in inches so much and our stupid ass <laughs> inches and feet. Um, but one thing that I, I will say about that is that it's actually, interestingly enough, it's very divisible. So base 12 mm. is a good system because there's there's plenty of division that you can put into 12s, multiples of 12. So I, I really like mm. that. Yeah, that's cool. I love the connection between that and the way that we measure time and um, degrees, right? Yeah. Like geometric. Same thing there. Ideas. Yeah. So that's cool, dude. Yeah, I thought Learned I thought you might every enjoy day. that. Yeah, I love that. And like you said, all that stuff was kind of motivated by the the need for for currency and the need to to add up these resources it's funny how a lot of this this technological progress comes along for reasons like that like we love to think that like given the benefit of hindsight we love to think that humans have progressed because of like a desire to reach into the future and 
and you know progress for progression's sake and live better lives or whatever but we're essentially just responding to necessary stimulus over and over and over and over again it's just like classic evolutionary theory applied to human technological progression yeah i mean that that thing that you mentioned there like that's kind of that's such a new idea like that's just like the modern liberal kind of ideological uh agenda almost you know what i mean like that's easy there rush and that's i mean it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing i mean but there it does get to a point where it's like when you have progress for the sake of progress then what like what does that even do right like what does that even what does that even mean you know most of that progress is social progress we do have some like yeah. intentional scientific progress right now. I think that most of that is is in the realm of uh, space flight, space travel, mm. and exploration. Um, but even then, thanks Elon. Yeah, well, I was about to say even then, Elon Musk has plenty of monetary mo- motivation to build those rockets. You know, he's not sitting there like, you know, dreaming of Mars without any uh, without any green in the background. You know, um, dude, I actually. I'm I actually think that he I mean at this point like he's a fucking billionaire dude he I don't think he could really care less about I mean the the reason that he wants to make money is because then he could keep doing what he's doing I don't know but I think Elon's that... a different he's a special case but it definitely is not the case that when people have billions and millions and billions of dollars that they just stop giving a shit about money I can promise you that billionaires all the time want more money and in fact the vast majority of them do and if because if they if they didn't why wouldn't they just do things like bill gates why wouldn't they just fucking shovel it into charities yeah i do think that elon is a is a special case because uh he just to me seems a lot more motivated by the dream of mars and i mean maybe he's just maybe he's a maybe he's you know got got me got me fooled but i think the main evidence for that to me is just all of his business ventures like he has a ton of business ventures besides spacex i feel like spacex is his passion passion product project but he's just got so many other business ventures that it makes me think that he is like at his core a businessman but you know that's not a bad thing um but the the getting back to my point um i i think that the majority of technological progress over the years has simply been to fill a need that we see rather than trying to intentionally go forward and um i don't know if you've you've heard this old saying but it's actually kind of hilarious how often this is true that like any new technology the first thing that comes out of it is something sexual i i have not uh not heard yeah there's that. a there's a bunch of really funny examples of this especially in communication um some of the first uh internet communications were porn for example um right but I one thing I also wanted to mention that's really funny in that vein is that 
Uh, did you ever hear about the experiment where they taught monkeys how to use currency? I think it was chimpanzees. Oh, that kind of that's that rings a bell. This one was really funny because they taught them they 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 taught them how to have currency, and you could like um, essentially the the coins you could trade. They could give them to a handler or something, and they would get some kind of food treat. So right. a very simple teaching of it. And the first fucking thing they did was start paying for sex. <laughs> start offering <laughs> it to female monkeys <laughs> in order to have sex with them. It's so funny. It is the world's oldest profession. Probably is. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Well, bud, do you have anything more to add to ancestral finances? No. No. I think it's uh it's about that time. I think that's a good stopping point. We hope you guys enjoyed the... our our money chat. We're going to start our our a uh, uh, side podcast that is all about money and investing. <laughs> We're going to try our best to run everybody out of money. And we will uh, we'll see you on there. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. See you all next week. All right, people. That's it. That was our best attempt to eke out something even remotely close to valuable in the world of finance. Again, we appreciate y'all coming back every week, listening in. It's awesome to have you here. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can check out the show notes. There's a bunch of different ways to do it. And of course, we appreciate any efforts that you make in our support as well please wherever you are in the world just remember that you are loved at least by Nate and I and probably more people we'll see you next time